Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers Podcast. It's Johnny Nani here alongside Tony on tap and our guy, GM, Ron Luce. Ron, we missed you last time. Good to have you back, buddy. It's good to be back. I uh, I was very envious uh, of missing out on the last show, but you guys did a great job. I uh, I was telling you guys I listened on my way back from uh, my travels, but boys, it's good to be back on the microphone talking Blackhawks hockey with you guys on a little midweek Wednesday night. The uh, weekend starts a little earlier than normal uh, this week with a couple of beers here on Wednesday night, but boys, how you guys doing? Can confirm that last statement there, Ron. Yeah, Ron, it's it's good to have you back, man. It's it's great to see you pouring that into your uh, your Stanley Cup champion glass right there. What are you drinking tonight, Ron? Uh, tonight we are drinking a. Uh, my uncle got me this one. It's a Saint Errant Brewing. Uh, it's called Green Clouds. It's a double dry hopped uh, pale ale with Citra and Galaxy hops. So uh, it's a nice hefty nine seven point nine percent. So just a little. Well, Jill, you need to, to get the weekend started early, boys. And to talk Blackhawks for about an hour here with uh, with Johnny and I. Yeah. Thousand percent. I love it, Ron. That sounds good, especially that 7.9 APV. That's strong. Oh. I, like that. I like that. I like we, that. All right. We might need a beer review of it, Ron. Yeah. Yeah. We might need that over at ontapsportsnet.com. Obviously, that's what Four Feathers Podcast is brought to you by. So make sure you go uh, check out the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash ontapsportsnet. Subscribe. Jump in the comments there because we can't see them when you do them from Twitter. We appreciate our viewers there, but go to Facebook or YouTube if you want to have your comments featured. On the show. Um, other than that, visit ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ontapsportsnet. Gentlemen, we are hashtag back from break. Blackhawks are back in action Tuesday night. Most of the league is back rolling now. And um, Tony and I discussed some things, uh, break topics there. But uh, I guess uh, we, we could lead in with with the wrap up the All Star break here. Seth Jones at All Star Weekend. Uh, thoughts on his showing? Layman week. I mean, the, I just have to say that was fucking layman week, Johnny. Uh, you had me all hyped up, told me that uh, he hit 99 miles an hour at one point in time. I believe that was back in 2019. Um, obviously comes basically in last place here. I think that's what he finished at the dead last. That's a layman week showing. Um, not not real happy with it. Right. Um, yeah. Well, Tony, you know, the thing what you and I talked about was maybe having the Indian head on his chest would be uh, adding a couple miles per hour, a couple ticks to the radar gun. However, the NHL chose to feature all of the reverse retro jersey. So he's wearing that ugly Chicago script jersey. The only Indian head was on his shoulder. So that uh, I'm just going to blame it on that. I, I will will also go with you there, Johnny, and blame that as well. I, I noticed that it was the reason. first thing I noticed. I was I was listening to you guys and I was like, yeah, he's gonna come out that that beautiful red sweater with the the, the Indian head. It's gonna look great. And then they came out in the candy canes, and I was like, ah, shit, here we go again. So, uh, yeah, it it ended up it really ended up feeling that way. That jersey not so powerful, not not compared to the old home reds. Uh, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. Um. But at least. Seth Jones is, you know, the, the the tank memo for the Blackhawks is omnipresent, and that bleeds over to the All Star game. If you're gonna, you know, if you're, if you're gonna compete in anything, finish last this year, right? 
I guess you have to, right? Uh, that's that's the mode, right? We 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 had to prep people at the beginning of the season for a lot of last place finishing, Johnny. Right. All star game just it it falls within the dynamics of of that warning at the beginning of the year. Yeah. All right. Um. Uh, the last thing that happened then was the game itself, and I know they play the three on three kind of tournament style. So he played in two games total. Uh, Central Division ended up losing. Went to the Atlantic, but that was kind of expected because Florida was hosting. Get the Matthew Kachuk poster boy all that shit um but Seth Jones had a goal and two assists both of those came in the first game I will say the move I don't know if you guys saw it at all I didn't tune in too too heavily to the all-star game like I wasn't intently watching it but I did see the Seth Jones goal and I know these guys aren't going all out but it was a little nifty takeaway and move and pass and receive it and bury it so I guess that was the highlight of the weekend for the Blackhawks yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we we we've talked about it on previous shows that you know this was kind of just the throw-in all-star nod. It's been that kind of year for the Blackhawks all season. But I mean, we we talked about his play increasing after that all-star nod, and you know maybe hey, you know a goal and two assists, albeit in a game that guys aren't necessarily going full go. Uh, it's still cool and tough to see him get on the score sheet. And he also, if I remember reading the uh, the hashtag stonks and stats correctly here, boys. Uh, most points for a defenseman in the three-on-three all-star format, I believe, was the uh, statistic for old Seth Jones. In all appearances, right? I so, believe so, yeah. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. I mean, he was a mainstay uh, during his time in Columbus. He was there you know, four times, so yeah, I believe this is his fifth appearance. And he was selected a six-time, too, but he had an illness or something, couldn't go. Um, but th- that about wraps it up. Um, it, Seth Jones also scored in the Blackhawks' first game back. Um, guys, uh, they were in action uh, overtime, 3-2 loss to the Ducks. Uh, but Seth Jones did get on the board, and I think that just kind of continues the trend. That's something that Tony and I touched on last week, Tony. Um, Seth Jones has been playing better since getting that nod, and he acknowledged that it was a little bit hollow. So that, that was at least nice to see, I will say. 100%. Tony? Yeah, I mean, Johnny, uh, we we talked a lot about this last week, and and I know that there's one person who's really happy with the play of Seth Jones right now, and that's the guy below me, uh, in Ronald Luce. Oh yeah, when's here. the jersey coming? Yeah, around? that's that's where I wanted to go with this. Is when, <laughs> when's, when's the jersey purchase? Are you purchasing an All Star jersey from for, for Mr. Seth Jones? We'll say those or, are sick looking. Or they are reverse retro, versus. or a reverse retro that he went out there and only shot the puck ninety miles an hour uh, in. I, I think because of that performance in the in the retro jersey, that just immediately negates it from being a part of the the possible earning. Uh, the All Star jersey, though, those are cool and tough jerseys that they finally they finally the, did it justice this year. Bre- breaking guys, the NHL finally got something right. They it did was it. A jersey, but they did look sweet. I'll give them that. They is did. that is that the first thing they got right all year? It is probably yeah. A fa- I think a fair question to ask. The next thing they need to get right is ping pong balls falling in the way of the Chicago Blackhawks. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I, there could be a Seth Jones all-star jersey purchase here in the near future. If not, um, I, I might have to defer to uh, Mr. Nonathan's uh, favorite jersey over there and get a get a white one. Uh, you know, for the four C. Yeah, the future. The, the, so we'll see. I will say the all-star, they look really cool and I do like the design and I would like consider it, but I always think about, okay, I'm not going to like any all-star. Maybe if it was in Chicago and we did a four feathers outing, that's about the only NHL all-star thing I'd go to because obviously there's issues with it and we could blabber on for a whole damn hour here about how they could fix it and, and things that went wrong over this past weekend. But just from a Jersey standpoint, thinking about that, guys, 
I, it is, you know, a unique one to have, especially for a player. And obviously, you know, you go to the UC and you'll see old Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane or Marion Hosa, all-star jerseys, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, plenty of them. But the colors are usually a little bit off. And whenever I go to a game, I like to be wearing red, black, or white. I don't know about you guys. Same boat, Johnny. I think that these jerseys are awesome. Um, now, if Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves had participated this past weekend, I could see myself picking up one of those as more of a collector's item. Um, granted, both of those guys were not there. Uh, I just can't see myself purchasing a Seth Jones jersey really ever. Um, so uh, that's why I'm going to pass on on all the uh, the all-star jerseys from this year. But I, I do agree with you. It, it feels wrong to go to a Blackhawks game in anything other than Blackhawks colors. I still well, have to my team. That's all. Yeah. I I'll second that. It always like, it always feels off with seeing a different colored Jersey and I get it. Like, uh, you know, in Chicago, especially right. The, the green St. Patrick's day jerseys are super popular, even though they don't actually wear them. Uh, but it just looks weird. Right. It looks off. Like you said, Johnny, like when I, when I think of going to the United center, whether it's a, a, a Blackhawks game, which is, I mean, admittedly what we're all there for more often than not, but even a bulls game, right? It's red, it's black and white. Like that's, that's what I expect when I go to the UC, the seats are red. Like it just, it, it's part of the atmosphere uh, with those colors. So I'm in agreement there. I, I'm not a big all-star Jersey guy either. I think I own one all-star Jersey of any kind in any sport. Um, and it's from about 17 years ago. So uh, we're, uh, you know, we're we're probably going to stay away from it as well. I, I think if there is a Seth Jones jersey in Ron Luce's future, uh, it's probably going to be uh, a Johnny favorite in the all-white. Um, probably will be the case. I think that's the right move, Ron. Um, guys, it, we it, it kind of wraps up all-star discussion here. As I mentioned, uh, Blackhawks were back in action Tuesday night. Um, and, and I just got a little bit of a gripe. Tony and I did, had texted a little bit back and forth about this last night. And it going to be wrong. It was great to see all, all the boys back on the ice in action. It had been like nine days uh, considering the last game, and they had the whole break, all-star weekend, everybody off for that. Uh, but they come back, and you, you got to choose the lane. you got to either win it, Totally just win it because then we can, you know, get in. We're going to have a few of those this year. We know we already have, but don't lose in overtime. You're going to lose, lose in regulation. The, the bullshit OT point. If that's what ends up putting you over the top for any one of these, I know we had a few of them earlier in the year and we like that because they were showing some fight. But at this point in the season, when I go and look at Tankathon here and how close it can be uh, to, to get the best odds there, just, just pick a lane. You're going to win, win, win and do it. Go, go. If you're going to go overtime, go and win the game, get the two points. And then whatever, that's a character building, a chemistry building, a culture building, whatever you want to call it. Or if you're going to lose, then it's a good tank loss. Phil, you played hard, but then uh, you didn't get any points. That's where I'm at with this. I don't know about you guys. I, I understand where you're coming from, Johnny, but I just got a, I got a bone to pick with this situation. What the fuck do you want him to do? Do you want him to pull the goalie? Do you want Richardson to pull the goalie? And oh, the already let off like two softies. Just let another one go into regulation. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I get that. But, you know, from a, from a NHL standpoint, you know, you're if, you're if absolutely it, right, and I know where you're going here, but I'm talking about quite. I, but I, I want to know account. which 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 way do we go with this because okay. we don't want to be on the you know if can we be on the bad end of a Gary Bettman ping well, pong ball situation if we actively look like we're taking. So, <laughs> but nobody takes need, the NHL. Right? The, the, yeah, nobody takes in the <laughs> NHL. There was a warning shot to Luke Richardson. Right, don't yeah. fucking pull Peter Mrazek with two minutes left in a game and give it up. Go to overtime. I, I don't know. I've got the no, same problem. I, I've got the same problem with this as you do, Johnny. But <laughs> I'm just like, how egregious can we make this before it be, gets, becomes noticed by Gary Bettman? You know, you're, maybe, 
maybe the digital board ads will distract him and he won't notice that we're tanking. Yeah, maybe a Ducks player can randomly, you know, emerge out of the digital board ads right right behind wide open <laughs> chance right in front of the net. Uh, the, the, that's what we could have used last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you guys, honestly. It, it was a weird game. I was like sitting here watching and, you know, they the Hawks go, you know, get up, you know, get up two to one, get up one oh. And it's like, oh, shit. OK, that's cool. Like, you know, we know Anaheim's part of the teams that are kind of in that tankathon range right now of games. So it's like, OK, if they're going to win a game like this is a reasonable that would have been a reasonable one for them to win. Friday's game coming up, right? Arizona, another team that's kind of in that same mix as well. You think about in the same the same breath. But I agree, you know, like I feel like Batman. Like we, if you're the Hawks, you need the best odds for that ping pong ball, but you can't show your tanking because knowing old Gary boy, he's going to come up with some stupid shit of like saving hockey in Arizona by gifting them Connor Bedard or something. So I, I agree there. It's like, what do you want them to do? But again, I will say the one thing I think that has benefited them all season and we got a good dose of again in that OT loss yesterday is Richardson has these guys playing hard. Like they are, they are outperforming. I think all of our expectations internally here at Four Feathers. I think they're outplaying a lot of NHL expectations just because of the the will that they bring out. That you know the the old TWTW every single night, even if they're not getting the results they want. So it, it's it's a weird situation. But I agree that one like. I would almost rather like Marazic give up another softy like he did in those two second period goals, Johnny, and like not get that OT point. Cause again, I, I mean, it's cool to see them win hockey games, but like if you're going to go to OT, win it, just win it. And they almost did. I, I, I thought on that Jones and Johnson rush there, you know, toward the end, I was like, Oh shit, maybe this is it. Jones is feeling it lately. He's, he's been aggressive offensively and then just, Johnson just couldn't finish it in the wheelhouse, but I felt that was like that was could have been a chance where they buried it all. So I'm right there with you guys, though. It's a it's a weird situation this season of like how right. how and, how much can we toe I, the line without falling off in one direction? And I feel like it's not going to be the last time. We're probably going to have this discussion multiple times down the road uh, when it inevitably happens again. But uh, I got one last observation from that game, and then we got a bunch of other topics to get through. Hey, Jason Dickinson, how are you now? How is he now? Seven points in his last six games, four goals, three assists. Um, obviously, some of that's been with Taves uh, sideline with an illness. Uh, so he's been slotted up into that uh, first line center role and playing with Patrick Kane can do wonders for anybody. Uh, however, good to see him because honestly, guys, I thought he was just going to be part of the thing that was going to make us tank because he didn't do shit in Vancouver. Um, but he's getting back to being more of an offensive force. I know he was kind of more of a role player in Dallas. And then on this cast of characters here in Chicago, uh, he is in an elevated role. Um, however, good for him. It's good to see a guy like that, a uh, big, strong centerman, long, got a big reach, uh, using his body, get to the center of the ice uh, and get in position for some of those goals. I think Johnny, just with Dickinson, it really does feel like a case of maybe that's why the Blackhawks targeted him when they talked to Vancouver about that Stillman trade. Maybe they were like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take this contract off your hands. But they knew what kind of player he could be. The, uh, Davidson's been around the Blackhawks. Played against him when he's on the Stars, right? Yeah. Exactly. He's He's been in the Central for a long time. You know, Davidson probably had a pretty good idea of what he brings. And you've seen it. We've seen what, what Davidson's been doing from a, a player acquisition standpoint and guys he's giving contracts to. He's giving guys contracts that play to where – 
what they want to do with Richardson as the coach, with the system, with the style of play. It's hard. Those guys that aren't afraid to go to the net, play balls to the walls, hockey, especially from the centerman position. And we've seen that a lot this year. So I think if nothing else, good for Jason Dickinson, taking advantage of an opportunity to a, as you mentioned, be elevated in the lineup, but B again, it's one thing if you got Patrick Kane on the ice dish and you beautiful passes, you still got to finish and you still got to put the puck in the net. And he's been doing it, what, three straight games now with goals? Uh, that's not only hot, but that's also cool and tough hockey, Johnny. I don't have anything to add for, to that, man. That was that was I, well said there, Ron. I just love it because then we can use the water, Kenny, uh, Jim Dickens. How are you now? It's, Dick, <laughs> it's Dickens. Jason Dixon. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, that about does it from Tuesday's game. Uh, as I kind of mentioned there, the reason why Jason Dickinson was slotted up because Jonathan Taves has been out uh, with a non-COVID illness. Guys, this is kind of becoming a lingering sort of issue. He had a missed a game in December with it, and then he missed another one um, earlier in, I believe, January, and then now he missed this last one back for break, and he hasn't been at practice. He wasn't at practice again here today, Wednesday, February 8th. That marks his fourth day out uh, all the days that they've been back uh, from NHL All-Star break. Are we concerned about Jonathan Taves and this kind of lingering, unknown, non-COVID illness? That's about all we know about it. Very concerned, Johnny. I'm very concerned about what this is. Um, obviously, Taves' health history is, uh, you know, rather out there um, in terms of, you know, him missing significant times due to health conditions. Um I don't want to speculate on, on what this could be, but I will say it's concerning enough to make me wonder, are we going to see Jonathan Taves again here, you know, this season? Are we going to see him in a Blackhawks uniform play another game if he's traded? Maybe this is something just short term and he's being rested for a move. Um, you, you never know what's going on with this. Uh, and on top of that, what, if this is something that the uh, Blackhawks are unable to move Jonathan Taves because of. Um, and I think that that at the end of the day, obviously we worry about the player. We worry about his health. We worry about Jonathan Taves first, but from a team standpoint, if this is something that prevents him from playing hockey or is a question mark for any organization that's looking to acquire him, that's not going to work out in the Blackhawks favor in any way, shape or form. Um, so obviously we're, we're hoping that Jonathan Taves comes back um, and returns to the ice in, in very short order here. Uh, the, the time is sort of winding down, uh, but I'm very fucking concerned about this. It's, it's not good. Yeah, I, I almost start to think, guys, thinking back to Johnny missing that entire, you know, half season uh, following, you know, the COVID break and what he learned about his health with with the, you know, Chronic immune response syndrome. Exactly. So that almost makes me think, and this is just the thing, going back to Tony's point, right? We care about the player. We care about the person that is Jonathan Taves because of, A, what he's meant to the Blackhawks, and B, I think what he's meant to a lot of people in Chicago. And again, this is still a human being that we're talking about here. I think this is something that you have to think about just for the rest of his life, and especially for the rest of his hockey career, is your traditional cold bug might hit him a little harder than your average person. And because of that immune response. So I, I think that's what this could be is, Hey, maybe it was just an innocent cold that, you know, we've all experienced in our lifetime around this, you know, this time of the year, especially in Chicago. Um, but son of a bitch, you know, when your body is already and your immune system is already compromised because of a, a disorder that he now has that we've learned about, 
you know, maybe just your ever innocent cold becomes not so innocent. You know, maybe instead of a day or two to bounce back from that old 24 hour bug, you know, it's two, three, four, and maybe even five days to bounce back from such a thing. So uh, hopefully he's okay. Uh, definitely want to see him in a Blackhawks uniform before the trade deadline, but um, just hope he's okay. Definitely right. understandable though, to be concerned. Tom. The, the one thing that's more concerning to me is we missed uh, the second to last game before the break. He played diminished minutes in the game right prior to the break, was dropped down to the third line, had a week off, and then misses four days of practice. Um, so I, I, I know where you're tracking, Ron, with the you know four or five days on an innocent cold. This is, this is something that's been bothering Jonathan Taves now for pretty much two weeks almost at, at this point. So it, it, that one to me is really concerning. You guys covered all the bases in terms of obviously we hope Jonathan Taves is okay as you know for his health uh, as a person, um, and then obviously Tony, you had mentioned the uh, impact that it could have on what the organization's able to do uh, with the trade deadline looming. I'll bring it to a fan aspect. Guess what? This could be the last times we're seeing Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves um, on the ice. So he missed that home game, and there are only four more home games prior to the trade deadline, and one of them is the day before the deadline. So. Time may be winding down here. See, 19 and 88 together um, on the ice. And obviously, Jonathan Tate still hasn't been back at practice yet. That's a concern that I raise. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It really is selfishly looking at it from a fan view, like just the opportunities potentially to see these two on the ice together in Hawks uniform are definitely dwindling. And uh, again, I know you guys made plans on the air as, as Tony, and I have done before. And uh, I don't know that that 21st against the, uh, the golden Knights looks like a golden opportunity to get to the UC to see these two together one more time. So, uh, Oh, Ron, if you're available, I think you got to join us now. I, I mean, it, you know, I may or may not just show up in the row behind you guys. I might not even tell you I'm coming. I might just end up, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how things go. But uh, again, selfishly, guys, time is winding down potentially right. of these two in an Indian head sweater. So absolutely agree with you there, Johnny. Yeah, obviously there are more games too. Uh, the Blackhawks do go on a little bit of a Canadian road trip. So it's not like it's just, oh, there's only four games like total left. Like, um, But in terms of games at the UC, that's kind of what I was getting at there. Um, and obviously the, kind of a busy schedule coming up because there is another home game Friday night against Arizona. And then they hit that Canadian kind of tour, uh, Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa road trip. That'll span almost a whole week there. So we'll see if Taves is back good to go um hopefully uh, he starts trending in the right direction um obviously they do still have uh, today was off tomorrow uh, no game and then Friday is when they'll actually be back in action so um yeah it, it, our guy Kirk chiming in the comments here uh, we appreciate it so I feel like we're gonna have to crack a few tribute beers for Kane and Taves soon I think that's definitely um where, where we're gonna have to be going with that so um we, we'll get some festivities together but crack them with us here Four Feathers Pod. Um, all right. Uh, elsewhere on the injury front, guys, I know we, we kind of touched on some trade stuff, but we'll get to that with some other names there as well. Um, in terms of injuries, Tyler Johnson and Jared Tenorti, hashtag back from IR. Tyler Johnson hashtag played track. Tuesday night, did have an assist against the Ducks. Uh, Tenorti uh, eyeing a possible return Friday. Uh, we just touched on Taves. Jujar Kara is back at practice, and Alex Stalock doing work on his own, though not joining the team. Hope is that he can come uh, with the team and travel. Saturday when they visit Winnipeg. Tony, I know you would like to see Mr. Stalock back. I would. I'd like to see him back here for a couple of games before he shipped out for a nice King's ransom for a goaltender at the deadline. Um, but I've been a big fan of Stalock, but I, I feel like my my new goalie crush is 
is Jackson Stauber. So I want to see him get some time. Solid. Yeah, he has been very solid. Johnny and I had a nice little discussion about my my love for goalies the other day. So been uh, watching a lot of goalie tape lately. I'm done with Peter Mrazek. I like Alex Stalock. Maybe we'll see Soderblom back, but uh, give me some more Jackson Stauber to finish this year off. So get one of them out of here, and I think that one is is Alex Stalock. He needs to get healthy first. Um, and, uh, yeah, Johnny, I would love to see that. You, you bring up an interesting point there. Obviously, you know, teams in need of some goaltending depth. I can think of a team like the Kings, right, um, off the top of my head that needs goaltending depth, and they're not the only one. But I don't think Alex Jaylock's reliable enough health-wise, and obviously no fault of his own. Fuck Casey Sezikis, first of all. Uh, and then he gets bumped in practice uh, to, to re-aggravate, go back in the protocol, another concussion. Um, that, that's tough, and it's hard to sell teams on that. Is this guy even going to be available? If Even if you're trading a mid-low-round draft pick for him, is even is that even worth it? I think that's a worthwhile conversation. GM Rod, here's with your take. A hundred percent worthwhile conversation. I mean, health it really is always the the common key for players, especially as the deadline gets closer. And I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. Stalock has played very well in the limited action that he has had in an Indian head sweater so far this season, sporting a very respectable goals against average, very respectable save percentage as well. It's not like he's reflecting numbers of a team that would be at the bottom of the standings. His goaltending numbers are very strong, albeit the, the Blackhawks league worst, you know, record. Um, but to Tony's point, on the flip side of who we've seen a lot of this season in Mr. Peter Morazic, his numbers are reflective of that record. And, and maybe there is something to do with that when he is between, in between the pipes. I will conclude uh, my uh, GM Ron spiel here, gentlemen. Um, but sources will tell me that I, I think I've heard Tony Marchese say he's done with the Peter Morazic experiment more times uh, than we have cracked beers on this show in the last three weeks. So it, it's it's I, been quite often and quite regular, uh, just in general conversation as well. I am totally understanding of Tony's take on this. And it's frustrating Agreed. to watch, right? Especially when you see softies go in like uh, they did on Tuesday against the Ducks. However, is he not the perfect tank goaltender? He is, especially when you look at his numbers. Uh, Tony and I had the pleasure of jumping on a phone call earlier and discussing some good old business. But we got into the uh, the old number crunch, and that's where GM Ron really just went down a rabbit hole and never came back. Um, but we were looking at it. $3.8 million you need to get to the cap floor next year, and he's got one more year on that contract. That is truly the perfect case scenario for a team who you want to be bad for two more years where you got two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two third-round picks in these next two drafts. Who better than Peter Morazic to be in between the pipes, as we saw on Tuesday with two soft goals? As painful as it is, Tony, I think you're going to have to endure a little bit longer of the beater memes my, over on Four Feathers Pod uh, Twitter account. It's my worst nightmare. You like the one I posted last night with him in the tank, Peter yeah. in the tank. We need if there's if there's anything <laughs> if there's anything that I get out of this, Johnny, it's your meme usage on the Four Feathers account with Peter Morazic in between the pipes. I think that's probably his best attribute that he brings to the Blackhawks at this point is he allows you. To go ham on on twitter.com for father's pod follow yep. it make sure you're and we it. get and we get more peter griffin memes too from right from exactly you guys and you guys know my affinity for family guy uh one of my favorite shows of all time plenty plenty of good humorous bits there because of course you know peter in the tank i think we're gonna have to get uh peter griffin in a blackhawks jersey edit there um i i just found the one uh, the screenshot of him uh from the episode where he buys a tank <laughs> Uh, for his daughter. So uh, th that kind of wraps up uh, injury report goalie talk there. Uh, let's get into trade talk, boys. Uh, Patrick Kane, 
Obviously, we talked a little bit on Jonathan Taves, and that'll circle back around here. But uh, Kane still hasn't made up his mind. Our guy, Ron Luce, there wrote up a nice post uh, on the latest reports on tapsportsnet.com. Go check it out for the full detailed version. But we'll discuss it here. Still hasn't made out of, up his mind. Uh, and another report that came out after that, he's cherishing these last games uh, at the United Center. And he, I guess he didn't say last, but he's cherishing home games between now and the trade deadline. That was kind of the where he went direction-wise uh, when he was talking to the media about that and Tony and I discussed a number of factors that, that could lead to Kane's uh you know trade status uh, in terms of the nagging injury and uh, a guy at the athletics says the whole league knows he needs hip surgery and be that as it may uh, he could still be an attractive option for contending teams and apparently Taves and Kane have both been handed lists of teams that are interested in them um so decision time is looming boys we are under a month until the trade deadline fill us in yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy how quickly uh, not only the trade deadline, but Four Feathers Tank Center is quickly approaching here, gentlemen. But it, it's going to be interesting. I think that being the most interesting part, being the list of teams that are interested. And I think if you have to give them a list, that means that at least four, five teams probably per player are interested in these guys. I mean, they are world-class players. And sure, maybe they are 34 and 35 years old, but... Both of them are still going to provide value to contending teams in this cup run that's going to be coming up here over the next month or so. So I really think it, it's going to be just this terrible, painful waiting game. And, and Johnny, I, I tied it to uh, something I told Tony in a side conversation just the other day. It, this feels like the Chicago Cubs season all over again, but 12-fold of what it was with Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. Are they going at the deadline? Are they not going? And then they both ended up staying. Not to say that's going to be the exact same case, but that was painful punishment for Cubs fans. Yeah, Will Scutreros was on the World Series, but these guys have been the pillars of the greatest era of Chicago Blackhawks hockey in this team's history as an original six franchise. Like, this is not, you know, Joe Blow and Joe Schmo getting traded potentially here. These are literally two of your best players in franchise history for a team that has been around nearly as long as we are separated from world war one. I. I mean, it's going to be absolutely insane. And obviously teams are going to want these guys on their roster, but it is just a mind boggling waiting game right now for us of just waiting for that pin to drop for one of them to say, yes, I'm willing to be traded. I'm willing to be traded here. And that move to happen. It could happen before the deadline. It could come down to the absolute wire. We could all be together thinking that everything's all said and done. And that, you know, that last little trade sneaks through, you know, at the end of the deadline and a half hour later, we all find out about it. It's just, it's going to be a painful waiting game between now and March 3rd, guys. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see, again, with both of these guys controlling their fate, how they decide to go as, as the season starts to wind down. Yeah, interesting for sure. And I think like you'd said the waiting game, that's a uh, go go keep that in the back of your mind because even with all these reports that are coming about about trade lists and uh decision making and how they're feeling about their futures and still not making the decision yet. Well, um I, I was watching a little NHL network before the games got underway on Tuesday night and uh per Elliott. Um, he had said that it's probably not going to be until the kind of second to last week of February here. So we've got another like couple weeks of <laughs> waiting around hearing reports every day. I'm sure you can go on Bleacher Nation and read all of their Blackhawks bits and, uh, you know, every little tiny uh, sort of update that possibly may come. We'll, you know, we'll have to sift through all of that there. Um, 
But Tony, your stance changed at all on anything since we talked last week about the same very topic. Not really. Um, I kind of rehashed this with Ron a little bit earlier on the phone too. Um, my, my stance on this is, is, is largely the same. Um, I just don't want to go through this as a fan. Like yeah, I'm going to put my fan hat on here. I, I don't want to go through it. I, I don't want the see the headlines on ONTAP Sportsnet about where they're traded. I don't want to go through the song and dance of the off season of, are they going to come back? Um, I just, I, I don't want to do it. I don't, I'm, I'm very stubborn to this. I don't want to, I don't want to go down this path. Although I feel like that's probably where we're headed. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it feels inevitable, but it's going to be painful. It's going to be really hard to turn on the TV and just think about it as a Blackhawks fan, you're going to turn on the TV sometime in March and you can have a Blackhawks team with, no Pat Foley calling the game for you. No Eddie Olchek. No Patrick Kane. No Jonathan Taves. Nothing. Nothing that you had during that cup run. Nothing whatsoever. There's people out there that want that. But it just feels like a totally different era. And for some reason, I, I like I'm a very sentimental person. I, I like that that clinging to the to the past a little bit, maybe way too much. But it feels like the Blackhawks that were really cool and tough, that knew how to win, that uh, got shit done. Once these two names leave the building, there's not much left. That is the bottom of the barrel. And there's a lot of trust that needs to go into Kyle Davidson and everybody else who's running this organization to build that back up. There is no guarantees that they're going to be able to. Um, it, it's, it's a moment where you're kind of at that cliff and once, once you fall off of it, you know, it, it, you're not going to the United center anymore to see Patrick Kane. We've talked on the show how many fucking times about why do you still turn tune into a Blackhawks game? Well, you're watching what one of the best, um, if not the best American born hockey player of all time, you don't have that anymore. So you're turn, tuning in to see Boris Kachuk and Peter Morazic. It's not the same p- appeal. Not at all. Highlighting your- Highlighting your point there, uh, our guy over on Cubs on Tap, a host of ours uh, at on Tap Sportsnet here, Joey Ricotta. He goes by Joey Knows Nothing on Twitter if you follow him there. Uh, big Cubs guy, but he says, hashtag Joey Knows Nothing about the Blackhawks if they get traded now, Tony. And I feel like that's exactly what you were just describing, and that's going to be the case for a lot of people who may not be as ardent hockey observers as we are or some really hardcore NHL fans. Um, and if you're just, you know, maybe a Chicago sports fan in general and you, you like all of them, but obviously your attention shifts towards the bears or the bulls or whatever it may be during baseball season, you pick your side of town. If you're just tuning into the Blackhawks game, pass some time on a winter night, you might not know who the hell's on the ice, who the hell's on the broadcast call. So uh, yeah, a lot of factors to consider in here. I'd ask you that question, Tony, about if anything changed from last week. And then I'll ask myself that question here. Um, it's an ever-shifting thing. And obviously, we're playing the waiting game, as Ron had elaborated on there. Uh, but I think I've shifted maybe a little bit with Patrick Kane having those comments about cherishing uh, these games before the trade deadline. Because um, I, I was kind of of the camp last week, what was the hot news about the whole league, knowing Patrick Kane needs hip surgery. And I thought that might be a thing uh, to where he could stay here 
with the team, not go at the deadline because obviously he has control over that, uh, but then shut it down at some point here during the season, get the surgery that he needs, uh, re-sign a one-year deal with the Blackhawks or whatever it may be. Um, right now, after hearing those comments, feels like these guys might be um, grasping at some possible offers or at least entertaining them right in their head if they have those trade lists of teams that are interested in them. So I'm not sold either way on it, but I would say I'm leaning more towards both moved at this moment here on February 8th. So um, all interesting stuff, but guys, those aren't the only names to talk about here. I know those are the hot ones and rightfully so franchise cornerstones, as we mentioned, but there's a few other guys drawing interest, Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy. Uh, I think we touched on McCabe and Murphy a little bit last week, Tony, but Sam Lafferty, one of my guys here, I think we all appreciate Sam Lafferty for his hashtag fire, hashtag passion, hashtag grit, hashtag TWTW. Um, anything on the latest rumblings uh, on the front of the no tooth rugged forward there? Yeah, Johnny, uh, something that uh, I, I'm going to, I think, have a little bit of a spicy piece on hopefully here in the next 24 to 48 hours is uh, the comparison of Sam Lafferty and and the amount of trade discussion he's drawing to that of Josh Anderson just a few years ago. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Josh Anderson, uh, had a really promising season with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets being the Blue Jackets. They were dog shit. And they were prepared to trade him at the deadline, uh, and they did. And they actually ended up getting a nice haul for him, and then he actually signed a contract extension in Montreal. He is still there to this day. Um, ironically, that trade for Josh Anderson – netted the Columbus Blue Jackets, Max Domi, and a third-round pick. So I, I think that's a really interesting idea to bring up and, and to have seen because Luke Richardson is on, quote, comparing a Sam Lafferty to a guy like Anderson. Uh, has a little bit of that scoring flair, uh, maybe not as much as Anderson, but still certainly something there nonetheless. And again, he is just that high-energy forward that helps you win in the playoffs. And I think that's why he is drawing so much attention on top of that He's also signed through next season at a very friendly $1.15 million per season on that cap hit. So maybe Sam Lafferty is the, you know, we we love him here, as you mentioned, Johnny, for all the various hashtags, especially the TWTW. But maybe he's the guy that the Hawks somehow get that crazy return for where you kind of sit back and go, they got that for for him compared to, you know, a, a McCabe or a Murphy or, or, or one of the other two guys that we're going to, you know, also be talking about here in just a moment. Like it really does sound like that, you know, as much as Kyle Davidson likes him, cause that was the first extension that Davidson gave out as a GM was to Sam Lafferty, you know, maybe just maybe, um, you know, he's on the move to hopefully improve the Hawks in terms of draft capital or or maybe even a prospect or maybe even a roster player that's under control for a couple of seasons that can come in and, and do something kind of as Max Domi did uh, a little bit there in Columbus for his short stint uh, in the middle of Ohio. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the toothless wonder, Mr. Sam Lafferty. Dude, I'm gonna. I'll be honest. I'm. I'm gonna be a little crushed if Sam Lafferty goes. He's just one of my favorites. Uh, but I would understand it. And it's interesting that you bring up the Josh Anderson comparison. I, I do. I know there's a lot of connections there with the Luke Richardson and uh, the Max Domi. How it kind of all comes full circle. But um, I feel like Anderson was just a little bit more on a point production uh, streak. And I know Agreed. there's other. 
there's other roles to be filled, but Josh Anderson got hot at the right time. Um, and it netted him a nice payday from Columbus. I don't know if Sam, La- obviously, like you said, he's already under contract for next year, so it wouldn't be immediate, but I don't know if Sam Lafferty's on that same trajectory. And I feel like he signed here because he knew what this was all about, this rebuild. So that sort of piece, sure, you got to get what you can. Uh, and, and especially if we have injury concerns and uh, floating rumors, various ways about other guys who may or may not be moved. Uh, you got to get what you can here. Uh, but I think it's just an interesting name. Any take on Sam Lafferty there, Tony? I mean, I feel like if we do trade Sam Lafferty, all we've got to do is get Chuck Naso from Barstool, knock a couple of his teeth out, right. throw him on the third line. Um, they look the same. Um, <laughs> you know, you can throw him in the Lafferty jersey and probably pay him, you know, way less than what Sam Lafferty's getting. And we've got the same thing. Uh, but, you know, I, I really like Sam Lafferty's game. Just uh, I think you're more outspoken about it, Johnny, than I am. But I like that cool and tough hockey player. He's a guy that has really accepted his role since he got here. He almost won me a bunch of money when uh, when Ron and I uh, <laughs> went out to the UC. I took him to score the first goal. Um, and, uh, you know, he came real, real close. Uh, he's been an offensive like he does threat. It in bunches, yeah. He does. He does. I, I, th- I think that overall his game has been entertaining enough for you to tune into a hockey game and notice that Sam Lafferty's on the ice and he's a difference maker. And I think that there's a lot of teams out there that are going to want somebody like that. Um, you don't have to play him in your top six um, if you're a competitive Stanley Cup hockey team. And he's a, he's going to be a real effective you know, third or fourth line guy for a team that's, you know, going on a cup run. So I think his market is, I mean, probably just as active as the the prior two names that we were talking about. But with that said, I'm going to be sad to see him go. I feel like we've got a lot of guys who've really excelled in Chicago um, in those upgraded roles. We were just talking about Dickinson earlier. I think Sam Lafferty's sort of of the same, uh, you know, benefactor of getting increased minutes, um, gaining a lot of experience at the NHL level uh, with some top premier talent, uh, learning a lot in his time here, uh, but also playing uh, a little bit more than he would on a very highly competitive hockey team. So I think it's been a good spot for a lot of guys in Chicago where it's sort of exposed them to more than the, than what they would see elsewhere. I think Sam Lafferty is definitely on that short list of guys who have really accepted that and excelled with it. Um I would love to see him black back in a, a Blackhawks uh, sweater someday. I think he's been really fun to watch, uh, but uh, I would expect him to move at the deadline. I'll be sad about that. Not as much as some of the other guys, but um, you know, overall Sam Lafferty is the type of guy that you can really fall in love with as a hockey fan. Um, so that's where, that's where I'll be sad to see him go. Well put um, another couple names here, guys. And these are the, we had just talked about some uh, the guys that have been rightfully so uh, drawing most of the trade interest. I am kind of surprised because other than Frank Sarah spaghetti and meatballs trade, you know, top targets that he does. None of those are necessarily reports though. It's all just kind of this guy would be a fit for this team. It's, you know, outlining that sort of stuff. Other than that, I haven't really seen Max Domi and Andreas Athens rumors pop up. If I'm missing something, let me know. But if not, why is this market not picking up yet? Are we just too far out? from the trade deadline yet? Or what is it? Is there something else at play here? What has FNSAU done to warrant any trade discussion for himself? He's, he's not popping off the charts. <laughs> That's what, yeah, he but, 
Yeah, but he's not popping off the charts by any stretch of the imagination right now, so I'm not really surprised. I think for all the guys that Kyle Davidson sort of hit on that could be, you know, flipped pieces, for him, it just goes back to his pure skill. Is he going to figure it out somewhere else? I don't think they're going to be able to sell high on him. Now, Max Domi, I'm wondering if it's more because he likes being here and has shut stuff down. That's just maybe tinfoil hat time. Um but maybe Max Domi wants to be like the Chicago Blackhawk guy. I mean, he's got given interviews about his tattoos. He's doing all that, you know, media tour stuff. The team's still going to need somebody that they can sell, especially if Kane and Taves leave. I feel like Max Domi is sort of like the the guy that wants to be, you know, Black Blackhawks guy 2.0. Um, and maybe he wants to, you know, relish that opportunity to be the star in Chicago for a year or two. I don't know. Maybe that's too far tinfoil hat, but I haven't heard anything about him leaving either. I don't think it's far fetched, but I'd like to hear GM Ron's take on it here. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think that's too far down the, uh, the tinfoil hat take, uh, you know, rabbit hole there tone. But I I think after the CU is such an interesting cat because I really think that's going to probably come down closer to the deadline because he is going to be more of a depth piece for a team. He's probably only going to fetch maybe a fourth or a fifth round draft pick, probably more so the latter than the former. But again, I think it's the the threat of that speed that he has. He's shown when he's played with players with skill that he can score. I mean, he does have 10 goals this season. Sure, the 16 points are very underwhelming over the course of 48 games, but 10 goals is 10 goals. He's still in the double figure mark. Somebody's going to find interest in that. And and somebody's going to give the Hawks something for it. Now what that something is might not be the same level of returners, even for a guy like Sam Lafferty or or Jake McCabe potentially, or obviously the, the two pillars in in Kane and Taves. But I I think there's going to be something there. I'm wondering from a Max Domi perspective though, if there are maybe some conversations amongst Domi and his camp, with Davidson in the front office in the sense of, hey, we're going to flip you. And it's not that we don't like you. It's just you're going to get us something. You're He's the leading scorer right now on the team. And you're our most certain asset right now. Yeah, 100%. His health is there. He has no clauses that are prohibiting a potential move that are in his control. He is a flat prorated from the $3 million he signed at the beginning of the year to the point he gets traded for the rest of the season for some team. And I think last year was a good audition for him for some of these teams to kind of see what he looks like when he gets traded midseason because he was dealt from Columbus to Carolina midseason and he had a major impact on that Carolina team in the playoffs. He had that dagger goal against the Boston Bruins, had that incredible game in that playoff series that allowed Carolina ultimately to move on. I think that alone, plus the amount of fairly decent success he's had this season in Chicago thus far, is going to net the Hawks something fairly reasonable. I could see it being a third round pick and maybe a prospect, maybe a higher end prospect, just straight up, who knows? But he is really that guy that if I had a, if I had a place a bet, and I'm going to take some words from our friend, Mr. Joey Ricotta here, because he's a big gambler. If I had a place a bet, he's my guy right now at like plus 120, 130, 140 odds that is going to get dealt at the deadline and potentially re-sign in Chicago in the summertime. Like he's the guy I could see, well, Hey, we're moving you. You're going, you're going to go play two months somewhere else. Don't sell your place here in Chicago. Come back, sign a three-year deal with us and be, as you said, Tony, kind of that Blackhawks guy 
for the foreseeable future as they continue to build pieces into this you know roster uh, as things move forward and Davidson continues to hopefully draft well. So I could very well see that happening. I, I think Domi truly does appreciate being here. I, he's made it very clear he likes playing for Luke Richardson. That's a guy to me that the Hawks could potentially target to bring back in the offseason and say, look, you are kind of the guy, at least from a forward perspective, of teach some of these young guys that are going to be coming in and play how to play in Richardson's system. You know how to do it, and you've been in the league for a long time. Show them how to be a pro. So that's kind of where I'm at with Domi. But somebody's going to give the Hawks something for Athanasiu. It's just going to be very underwhelming, I think, from an overall sense of what's going to happen on March 3rd. I really like your guys' assessment of the Max Domi situation. I guess I was thinking about it. Think back to the summer, July, when these guys were signed, one-year deals. What did we all immediately turn to? Flip at the deadline, get assets, get draft capital. Rightfully so. That was the plan. That's why they were signed to one-year deals. But when learning more about Max Domi, it's progressed for me, and it's interesting because I didn't like him at first, and I laughed when they signed him. But I didn't like him because of the whole dust-up when he jumped Connor Murphy and all that bullshit back when he was still with the Blue Jackets. I thought that was kind of cheap and scum, and I don't know. I just didn't like him. Kind of, You just kind of get flashbacks to his dad, and this guy's just trying to be an agitator any way he can. But having him here and hearing his comments about how he likes it and how obviously there's a connection with Richardson, wants to play under him, um, I've grown to like him like a lot of people. Ron, I did not fall in love, though. I appreciated him, but did not fall in love as, as our uh, advice was on the you opening night special show. <laughs> I listened. I listened to our own advice here. However, I can appreciate the desire, the want to, the kind of he understands the whole situation. And Ron, I think that situation that you outlined about possibly being flipped to the deadline but returning uh, to sign here, I think that's the highest probability of any of them because I think we've all had some fantasies about oh maybe Patrick Kane goes and plays as a rental and then signs and comes back, but you never know. He could get the taste of winning, want to go and get another cup even if he doesn't accomplish it with that team this year. So um, I will say it is kind of nice to have that, that Max. It's as a tanking team feels good to be appreciated by someone. And I think Max Domi appreciates the Blackhawks. So I will I'll say that it's a very curious, interesting case. And we'll have to wait until uh, Tank Center arrives on March 3rd until we get final answers on that. But um, all interesting stuff here. If you want more Jake McCabe, um, Connor Murphy stuff, nothing's changed on that front. So go and listen to our last episode that Tony and I did, uh, the All-Star Break check-in uh, episode. We, we don't need to hash over that too much here. Guys, let's take a look at what's on tap next, what you're watching for uh, in this upcoming stretch of games. Obviously, the tape situation, I think, has to be at the front of our mind. Um, but we also have another one in Alex Stalock. Tony, I know we, we had discussed about wanting to see him back. But with our opponents coming up on this Canadian road trip, um, we've got a couple old friends that will be visiting up in their home barns. They've come here already, or excuse me, one of them's come here already, and that's Valentine's Day. We're going to play Heartbreaker against Kirby Doc. And then next Friday, visiting Alex Dabrinkit for the first time since the trade. Thoughts on these? These are just interesting matchups that I circle on the schedule. Kirby Doc will always have his return to the UC to remember, as will we. Um, would like to see the Blackhawks win one of these games, but... Uh, you know, where we're at in the schedule right now, um, the the tank losses are also sort of important, guys. So it's it's interesting, Johnny, from a what to watch for perspective. I don't know how to feel. I'm 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 just all over the place because I want to see the Blackhawks win all the time. I know what's for the the betterment of the team. Um in the long run here, we've got a couple games in hand, sort of worried about that shit. 
So it, it's it's just a really weird spot to be, especially uh, as we near the trade deadline. Um, you know, where do, do we get the wins now? You guys have told me numerous times, numerous times on this show. Um, if they're doing too much winning for you, just wait until after the deadline. For for my aspect or from my aspect, let's just get wins now, right? Is that what you're telling me? Like, can can we agree with some? Let's get wins now. Right. You can, yeah. Yeah. And then, then and you're going to pile up. Season, they're they're inevitably going to win a couple away. of these games coming up, right? Yeah. I want to see more wins. I, that was really fun in, so, in January when we were winning a lot. So I, I got a scenario for you guys. Now, just thinking about that since I, like I said, games that you circle on the calendar here. Since Kirby Doc had his return and did the whole showboat thing in front of the crowd, and right, he was getting booed in front of the shootout. But guess what? They boo everybody who's an opposing player. Just FYI, Kirby. But he got his moment. Like you said, he'll always have that. So I want to go Valentine's Day, play some Heartbreaker there. Um, Kane, uh, nice goal there. Hopefully, Alex Daylock's back in between the pipes for that one, Tony. I'd like to see a win next Tuesday at Montreal. Um, and then Ottawa, it'll be cool to see the cat in action, but the senators also haven't done what they set out to accomplish this year. So, um, they're kind of in a shittier spot, I think with with their sort of situation with where they are towards the bottom of the standings, not bad enough, but they're obviously not good enough for playoffs. So, um, interesting, Ron, what what are you watching for uh, coming up here? Yeah, I, there's something, there's an affinity to have when the Blackhawks play the Canadian teams. I don't know if it's the 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 two anthems instead of just the one um, that always resonates with me, whether it's at the UC or on the road. But they're all intriguing matchups. I mean, obviously, there's, of course, they have to have a fucking TNT game against the Maple Leafs, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I agree. I think that Montreal game is probably going to be the most entertaining uh, obviously the doc aspect of that certainly has a lot to do with it as well. I think it's just going to be fun because I think a lot of these Canadian teams, two guys that they're playing, like you said, Johnny, kind of alluded with Ottawa are kind of in shitty situations. Montreal's got a lot of injuries. They're going to be a little bit of cap hell going in next season as well. Uh, so that's a team that you're like, you're kind of in this weird middle balance. The senators kind of the same way. The Maple Leafs are going to have their own cap struggles. Obviously at least they're in, in somewhat contention because of that stacked and, and very top heavy roster that they have. But it's just going to be fun. You know, Canadian Canadian hockey just hits differently when the Hawks are playing Canadian teams. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, but a Valentine's Day, I don't want any heartbreak in my own personal life, but uh, a little bit of uh, heartbreak for the uh, Canadians at the old Bell Center up in Montreal uh, is something that I have the appetite for on Tuesday. So that'll be definitely something I keep my eye on, uh, as well as, again, uh, I, I miss I miss that little that little bugger in uh, Mr. Alex Debrinkit. So it'll be cool seeing him again on my television set uh, after he departed for uh, our partners to the North's nation's capital. Yeah, I just got to cap. Revenge is cool and tough. You got to get I'm sorry. You got to get back at the Canadians. That, that Black Friday game still it resonates with me. I still remember that. And like you said Kirby Doc had his moment. So, you know what, for him personally, good for him. But at the same time. He's our ex, right? This is Valentine's Day. So fuck him. Let's go and beat him. I love that. What a perfect analogy, Johnny. I think Sam Lafferty should challenge him to a fight in that game. Hey, he had some, I, I, it was a couple, I want to, right before the All-Star break, I want to say, there's, I don't know what dust up it was that happened or if there was words exchanged before the face-off. It was right after a draw. It wasn't even like an in-the-corner thing, but he just went at it with somebody. I want to say when they were playing Detroit. Um, so it's not out of the question. He has dropped the gloves this year. I saw it on Hockey Fights. I, I just appreciate one last good Sam Lafferty bout before he leaves town. 
like right. to see it. No, I would as well. All right, boys, we're getting to the end of this episode here. We thank everybody for tuning in, uh, joining the comment section on YouTube here, season four, episode 13 of the Four Feathers podcast. So let's get some final thoughts here uh, and cap this baby off around an hour here. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett is a restricted free agent at the end of the season. He has <laughs> I knew we were going here. He has one more year at $6.4 million. And wouldn't it be a fucking shame if the Senators couldn't keep him and he somehow wandered his way back to Chicago? I'm just going to absolutely torture Blackhawks fans mentally because it's been torturing me for the last eight hours um, with that thought. Uh, that's that's all I've got. I'm sorry for I put that in your head earlier today. Thank oh, you man. for that, Tony. Yeah, that that's what spurred the hour-long GM Ron Luce conversation. Uh, it, it started with Alex DeBrinkett, and uh, pretty much the same way we got into this conversation was we're going to be facing Alex DeBrinkett uh, coming up here soon. Final thoughts. Um, you know, I just have to go back to uh, to Jonathan Taves and, and hoping that he returns to the ice. I know that's been said a bunch of times, but uh, – you know, I'm, I'm scrolling that Twitter feed just to see if he participates in practice. Um, you know, any updates about him? Uh, Johnny, you you kind of brought it in from the fan perspective. I've thought about it now for the last about half hour here. Um, yeah, that would suck. That would really, really suck um, if there's not a proper – and I don't think there's going to be a proper way if, if both of these guys are moved to know uh, when that last game is. So we're going to have to cherish each and every moment that we get. Um, and we've kind of hammered that home over the last couple of years here on the show. Um, but uh, this is, this is a real chance that this is the end. So, um, you just hope it's not robbed from you. You hope it's not robbed because of a health issue. Um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm watching for. And that's kind of my final thought. Yeah. Um, guys, all good stuff. I think I kind of gave mine on, uh, you know, what, what we're watching for coming up here, obviously the Taves thing, uh, weighing on the mind just because of all the implications it has, right. Obviously we had said about the, you know, the person himself is what we're most concerned about. Number one, but it's just another layer, this whole trade thing. It's a damn onion guys. There are so many layers to this and I don't even know how to sift through all of them at this point. Cause another one gets thrown into the mix. Seems like every day, right? And follow along with us, Four Feathers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I guess we'll try and meme it, meme through it, offer some commentary the best we can. Uh, That's all we can do right now because there is going to be a bit of a waiting game here. But um, stay tuned there and on tapsportsnet.com and on YouTube uh, for all of our takes, uh, excuse me, updates, hot takes, and analysis on it. Um, as we do here at the Four Feathers Podcast. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Um, good to have hockey back, Blackhawks hockey back in our life. And um, we'll be back at it next week. Hopefully another show here. Um, hopefully talking about some heartbreaker up in Montreal against Kirby Doc. So, gentlemen, it's great to be back with you guys on the mic. I ain't got anything else. Until next time, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.